members of the 117th Congress convened Sunday in what could be remembered as the most unconventional congressional opening in history. In Georgia, two U.S. Senate seats currently held by Republicans are at stake. The outcome could change the balance of power in Washington. Happy New Year and welcome back to Political Theater. I'm Jason Dick and we are getting right back into the swing of things this Monday, January 4th, 2021. With the transition, our special edition dedicated to making sense of the transition to the new Congress and the new administration, President-elect Joe Biden. Well, the 117th Congress got officially underway this weekend as per the Constitution. Uh, New Congresses start on January 3rd. Uh, It was a Sunday. Usually when the new Congresses get going on a Sunday, Congress finds a way to pass legislation that is usually a very simple affair, changing the date. They could not get that done uh, because of hashtag 2020. And there we were working on the weekend, checking out this new spectacle, this new Congress, uh, the first Congress uh, to be elected in the midst of a pandemic like the one that we're in. And uh, we're going to talk about some of what Uh, Our reporters saw on the ground, including our own Jim Saxa. Jim, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, uh, Jim, also just a little bit of news about you too. You have uh, been our banking and finance reporter at CQ Roll Call, uh, as well as also a co-host of Political Theater. uh, And you will be transitioning uh, yourself uh, to a new job at CQ Roll Call as our features reporter. Congratulations. Thank you. I am really pumped about it. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's uh, let's let's put on your feature reporter eyes then, <laughs> or glasses, uh, as as it were, and let's talk a little bit uh, about this uh, the convening of this new Congress. Now, usually, um, these are pretty joyous affairs. You know, t- uh, two years ago when the 116th Congress came in, uh, that it was the it was a very large uh, Democratic class, uh, the, uh, particularly among women who had been elected for the first time to freshman terms. Uh, they all wore white. Uh, they had their kids uh, and family on the floor. It's always this sort of chaotic scene uh, because there are, there are no rules at that point. Literally, there are no rules. There, the House rules uh, package has not been passed yet. And uh, so people are taking pictures, which is a no-no on the floor. Uh, they, they have all kinds of guests like their kids and, and maybe even their grandparents. Uh, a few years back, uh, Liz Cheney, who's now the House Republican Conference chairwoman, she brought former Vice President Dick Cheney, a former House member himself, to the floor. Um, so it, it, these are always like very celebratory affairs. Not so this year. <laughs> Uh, and, and we, you know, um, the only people who could bring even one guest were the newly elected freshman class. Uh, they, they had to keep their distance. Everybody had to wear a mask. Uh, it was really a subdued affair, uh, for, for the most part, we did get them all sworn in. Uh, but you were there, uh, you, um, and, and you had the, uh, fortune of being able to roam around the, the gallery a little bit, perhaps, uh, not, not the gallery so much, but the, the Capitol building itself, uh, because, um, you know, you were sort of our eyes and ears on the ground. Just walk us through what you saw. This is the first time that you've covered uh, one of these. And, and uh, you know, I've just sort of given the, an idea of what we usually see, which was this uh, fun people go from the floor to, you know, after they pass a few, you know, the rules package and they have the speaker's election, they go back and they have parties in the office buildings. What, what was the Capitol like during this usually festive affair? Yeah, uh, like you said, um, you know, there were no rules uh, this go around uh, yet until 
With the exception, of course, of the House physicians' rules about social distancing and mask wearing. And those were kind of honored in the breach. Uh, you know, there was a big incident with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a newly elected representative uh, from Georgia, a Republican, who you know, has endorsed some, let's say, fairly radical uh, theories out there about the coronavirus. Um, She got into a big hullabaloo uh, on the floor, not wearing a mask per the rules. Um, But pretty much everyone, uh, Democrat, Republican, everyone uh, uh, didn't really honor the whole uh, six feet apart uh, rule. There's a lot of of hugging, a lot of uh, handshakes, a lot of backslapping, um, which you know, to, to some regard, is a, a positive uh, thing to see in this time of rank partisanship and lingering concerns over whether or not we will have a peaceful transition uh, of power in this democracy. But um, you know, it, it was still pretty chaotic. Uh, you know, you mentioned you know the rule that you were only allowed to have one guest again. Uh, a lot of representatives brought uh, their extended family, um, you know, not just like a spouse, but a couple of kids. They weren't on the floor, but they were roaming around the halls. Um, and there's a lot of lost new representatives and their families asking pretty much anyone, including myself, for directions. Um, and I'm well, not you sure. Had a lan- you had a lanyard, Jim. I mean, a lanyard <laughs> confers status uh, uh, in Congress, right? <laughs> it did. And I felt bad for that anonymous congressman because they're wearing a mask and, you know, they're new. I don't know have their faces memorized, but I, I could only direct them in a general, towards someone who actually might know uh, where, where they're looking for. But yeah, it, it was pretty chaotic. But again, like you said, um, that sense of celebration wasn't there. Uh, I, I talked to a couple of representatives, uh, and both Republican and Democrat, and then they all said, like, usually this is like just a big celebration, and that year is super subdued. Um, and they all credit it primarily to the coronavirus. And and tell us about Stat Hall. Statuary Hall is usually you know where, where a lot of people will go uh, in between uh, their you know like the the business on the floor and maybe they'll do a media hit or something like that. And that was pretty much relegated to just picking up your pin and voting card, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, reporters weren't even allowed to get uh, into it uh, without like a a, a really good reason. Um, so there's a lot of things like that. Like uh, I I couldn't go to certain places again because of the COVID restrictions that were uh, in place. And um, I mean, usually, you know, like this is a, a fairly restricted too because of just the number of people um, who, you know, are already there on on kind of guest passes, families and so forth. It's it's not like a regular day where you see like tours uh, and, and so forth. So it was, you know, combined with the, the normal restrictions, which which we're, we've been seeing for the last few months where you can't even see like, you know, tour group, tour groups and so forth going through the Capitol. Uh, a lot of people were working from home. A lot of members were, you know, it, it, you know, watching from their offices. Uh, and it, it just seems like it, I mean, let's just say it, it sounded like a bummer. Yeah, to a certain extent <laughs> it was. But I mean, on the flip side, um, even with a lot of people staying home and and not being the the normal big festive thing, that's the most amount of people I've been around in nine months. Um, yeah. it, it was at times a bit unnerving on the other end of it, uh, especially knowing that 
Um, you know, just uh, a week ago, one of the representative elect, uh, uh, Luke Letlow from Louisiana, died of COVID, um, and that we have other members that have been infected. Uh, it, it was it was a weird uh, sort of you know situation to to be a part of. And one one of the things that is also in the air, uh, and 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 you've been working on uh, on reporting this out a little bit, is we've got the electoral college uh, count coming up in a joint session on on Wednesday. Usually, um, you know, I've, I've I've been there for the electoral college counts before. Uh, it, it's a small, you know, usually a small group of reporters uh, and and a few members. Uh, maybe there are some objections on one side, but they're s- seldomly reciprocated. Uh, this time around, we are expecting a lot of people, uh, a lot of press members uh, or members of the press, and several objections and debate. So this is all hanging over, you know, this, uh, you know, this new Congress too. That like the the you know President Donald Trump's supporters are saying that there is fraud. They they have no evidence that. That, that that suggests that it would have affected the outcome in any states has been litigated to death. The former Attorney General Bill Barr has said he didn't see any evidence that suggested the outcome would have been affected. But nevertheless, they're going to challenge that. So that's hanging over the air. What when you were talking to some of these folks, you know, in the hallways and so forth, what was was that? Did, did they kind of wince when you brought it up? <laughs> did, did they just not want to talk about it, or or were they all more than happy to talk about it? Uh, I think the emotion that I got when I asked about it was annoyance and not really directed at me, but directed at the the individuals that are uh, challenging it. Um, the 12 members in the Senate that you mentioned, and uh, I believe around 140 uh, Republicans in the House. Um, and, and it was annoyance because I think, uh, A, a lot of them just want to move on. The election has been done for months now, uh, and they just want to look ahead and stop dealing with, um, like you said, these completely unfounded allegations that have been litigated about 60 times in state and federal courts. And, you know, there have been no uh, findings of any serious widespread uh, fraud. Um, But what I think was really interesting is I kept asking uh, Democrat Democrats and moderates, you know, what this stunt uh, on Wednesday uh, would mean for their relationships with those members going forward. And for the most part, I heard, you know, pretty much nothing. You know, like some of them might be off the Christmas card list next year, but I think that's about it. Uh, there there won't be any sort of efforts to um, punish them through, say, you know, censure, you know, be one thing or, you know, trying to encourage them to be removed from uh, uh, committees uh, or even, you know, refusing to work with them on issues that matter to them. And so there, there's no sort of effort on the Hill to change the political calculus that those Republicans are making in doing this. And that calculus is by supporting the president's unfounded claims, they will help stave off a primary challenge, uh, whether it be, you know, in 2022 or 2024. Um, and, and that seems, uh, you know, like it, unless that calculus does change, there's going to be no limit on the continuing uh, moves of uh, some members of the Republican Party to uh, continue to um, you know embrace these 
really anti-democratic with a small d um, uh, machinations. And one sort of last thing that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk to another one of your colleagues about the Georgia Senate uh, runoffs uh, that, that where voting will conclude on Tuesday. But because of because those runoffs will determine who's in the majority, the Senate really didn't have a lot to do. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, like the Senate only has to th- to swear in, uh, you know, thirty some odd members every two years because it's a continuing body, and you have mm-hmm. these groups of thirty, thirty three uh, that, uh, that you know every, every couple of years. So it's it's usually like a more chill affair. The House is more raucous as as always, uh, but even this, even the Senate was even more subdued than normal. They just sort of swore people in. They did do a ceremonial thing in the old Senate chamber as they usually do, but not. A a lot of people pooled photo coverage and um <laughs> you know they because they don't know who's in the majority they just they couldn't really do anything they just said all right we'll see you i guess for the joint session as you just mentioned which i'm sure they're all really looking forward to uh and then after that it's the inauguration because uh that's when they'll actually know <laughs> yeah. who's going to be running the place so it's just a overall just kind of a weird day yeah, on the sun side, uh, it was just a lot of standing around and a couple of photo ops. There really wasn't much to say or do, like you said. And uh, you know, the reporters that are on that side, myself included, uh, we we didn't have all that much to do other than occasionally try to ask uh, some of these members about what's going to happen on Wednesday. Well, Jim, thanks. And uh, again, congrats on the new position. And uh, we will be uh, talking to you later. Great. Well, thank you. Can't wait. Speaking of Georgia, Stephanie Aiken, one of our staff writers who has been covering the Georgia Senate runoffs, is here to talk about what she's looking at as voting comes to a close in those runoffs. Voting ends on Tuesday, January 5th. Uh, the runoffs there are uh, happened because nobody got 50% plus one in either one of those uh, Georgia uh, Senate races between David Perdue and John Ossoff, and on one hand, and Raphael Warnock and Kelly Loeffler uh, on the other. Stephanie, as we enter the home stretch, what we think might be the home stretch, uh, what are you? What are you looking for in uh, as as we're uh, as we think we'll get a result at some point uh, in the Georgia uh, Senate runoffs? Yeah, hopefully before twenty twenty two, we'll know. Um, Runoffs are, are in Georgia are typically sweepy affairs. They're kind of designed that way, um, especially with the timing of this one on January fifth. You know, coming right after the holidays. Um, but it, it, this this runoff has been anything but sweepy, um, especially you know as we're looking at the transition of power in Washington and this very strange confluence event of events putting uh, majority control of the Senate at stake. Um, We've had just record-shattering um, investment from both sides, um, $500 million uh, going into these races. Um, the leaders from both parties have been um, campaigning throughout the state. We've seen um, President Trump and um, President-elect Biden there um, this weekend and all sorts of surrogates they're making their cases. Um, and also just... Um, just uh, astounding turnout so far that that just blows um, previous runoffs right out of the water. Right, you mentioned that uh, we've seen a bunch of surrogates. The Mike Pence, the the uh, vice president, uh, was there Monday. Kamala Harris, the vice president elect, was there on Sunday. Uh, we have uh, President elect Biden and Donald Trump there Monday. It's just, I mean, it seems like 
we we thought we, the election was over, right? <laughs> in in November, but it just kind of kept going. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, when everybody wants to put twenty twenty to sleep, <laughs> who knows how how long it's going to take to to find out the results of this one. Um, and you know, we keep getting thrown for a loop um, just in the last weekend um, with news of the the phone call between um, President Trump and the Secretary of State. Um, with um, President Trump trying to um, to advance his baseless claims of voter fraud in Georgia, um, the Secretary of State kind of refusing to go along with that. That's that's putting even more focus on what's turned into kind of a civil war between uh, within the Republican Party and in Georgia, and that's really put the Republican candidates in the spotlight. Um, they've really tried to. Um, draw on President Trump's support and see uh, support from his base in Georgia is really crucial to winning the election. But um, President Trump's um, claims of, of voter fraud in the state are really um, complicating that message and, and raising a lot of questions about um, whether Republicans are going to turn out on Tuesday. And and adding to the weirdness too. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know that they they you know they need as many people to vote as possible. Both sides, you know, need as many people to vote as possible. Uh, but but we've we've seen that people are having to quarantine because of the coronavirus. David Perdue, the Republican senator who is is up, uh, his he is no longer a senator right now. Uh, his term expired on Sunday with the 116th Congress. Um, he is, uh, he's going against Democrat John Ossoff and he's been in quarantine because of the coronavirus. Uh, and then Kelly Loeffler, uh, who is, is up against Raphael Warnock, uh, the, the Democratic nominee. Um, she has been, you know, campaigning in person and so forth, but it's just been this weird, you know, like standoff over coronavirus protocols and so forth. And I, I don't know, it, it just seems like, you mentioned the, the the Republican Civil War. Some people are concerned about, uh, you know, the, the the what the president's effect on on the voting turnout will be, and also this, you know, this Secretary of State down there who's a Republican, Brad Raffensperger. He's going to be uh, under enormous pressure uh, counting these votes. So we may not see this result for a while if it's really close. Yeah, and it was a number of days before we knew that both of these races were going to go for to run off in November. And uh, granted, they did have uh, a lot more elections to deal with back in November with all you know the congressional and municipal races and whatnot. Um, so uh, experts that I've been talking to on the ground are are saying that they're expecting it to to go a little bit quicker this time around. Um, you also have the advantage of so many absentee ballots and early in person ballots being cast. Um, election officials can't count those ballots early, but they can go through some of the processing in advance. So a lot of that is supposed to get taken care of early. So, so that could contribute to a result coming out a little sooner. So we, maybe we would know something um, by the end of the week, at least. And, you know, it just happens to be wrapping up as the Electoral College uh, is is being counted and, and certified in Congress uh, to much, uh, you know, so, uh, much drama there, too. So uh, overall, pretty eventful week. Um, good luck covering it uh, for the rest of the week. It's going to be a, a long one, I think. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Jason. And hopefully we'll we'll find out what happens eventually. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theater's The Transition. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening.